What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Buffalo Sports Collective. It is Friday, December 23rd, 2022. Phil, not only are we two days away from Christmas, it's the pre-pre-Christmas episode. There is a monster historic once-in-a-generation storm quickly approaching, and as everybody's listening to this episode right now, it is slowly changing, so please... Be very, very careful out there. Uh, my job closed the stores. I've been there for seven and a half years. This is the second time they've ever closed. So you know it's a major storm when my job isn't open anymore. Yeah, I'll probably be snow blowing, snow plowing the sidewalks at, at my job. We don't close for anything. So uh, we'll be open and uh, I'll I'll be there and hopefully be able to get home and then not have to go in the weekend, which would be great. Yeah, uh, I think you might be doing a lot more than snow blowing <laughs> with the rain that's turning to ice, and then the ice gets you know covered with the snow. My God, this is I'm very I don't know because I have to travel like twenty five thirty minutes into work, and it's like the big fifty five mile an hour roads that are wide open with cornfields and stuff like that. So the the wind and the ice, and I'm very happy that I don't have to report tomorrow. But uh, good luck to you. Who does? Yeah, I will be uh, getting the salt spreader out super early and just putting a good two-inch layer on the the ground so no ice can do anything. It will be unpenetrable. I I like that idea. I'm a big fan of that idea. I don't know what I'm going to do at my house because we'll have to get out on Saturday, but uh, that's an FPP. And for those of you who have never heard that saying, that's a future Patrick problem. My real name is Patrick. So there it is. FPP. (laughs) If you want to use that slogan, just put F, whatever your first initial is, and P. And then there you go. You got it. Phil, yours is also an FPP. Happy coincidence. But if you want to follow along with us for any more of these insightful, knowledge-filled conversations, you can follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website at buffalosportscollective.com and check the time breakdowns in the description of the show. Phil, I have to commend. We always say that we give credit where credit is due. The Buffalo Bandits finally did something with their social media account that I loved. And I think it was Wednesday. Yes, I'm doing my math right. It was Wednesday. They put the little clock and then the little googly eyes emoji. And I went, oh, man, something's going on. So I was like, I got to be ahead of this. I put out the tweet that I think it was the retirement ceremony and the Jersey, you know, retirement raising to the rafters for Marsh Stainhouse. Phil, I was wrong. I, I, I guessed it wrong. I wanted it on record just in case it was right. But Dane Smith and Josh Byrne are trying to put us out of business. They are starting up a new show on YouTube once a month. Go check it out. The first episode dropped yesterday. New guest each week. First one, like I said, with Patty Coletta. Very excited to go back and watch it because as we're recording right now, it just came out 26 minutes ago. So obviously I haven't been able to watch it yet, but I love lacrosse content. Any kind of content is better for the game and makes the game more enjoyable. So I can't wait for this to continue. It's a great idea. And uh, you're welcome, guys, for uh, being creative enough to inspire you to do this. And you might still be right in the long run. I mean, one of the guests could be Mark Stainhouse. And maybe their that is true. last episode of the season will be Mark Stainhouse getting uh, his official retirement, which would be... Fantastic, because he he deserves it. 
Agreed. Agreed. But like I said, uh, it's uh, it's on YouTube. Go check it out. Like I said, any lacrosse and bandits content is great. So I was just joking about them putting us out of business, even though they probably easily could because they're very entertaining players. But we'll move on to the first segment here. Buffalo Sabres, one game to talk about because the Friday game that is being well, that was supposed to be taking place tonight got moved to March and then a March game got moved to January because of this giant snowstorm that's happening in the ice storm and whatever else you want to call it. Monday versus the Knights, Jack Eichelis, Vegas Knights. They nice. won three to two. They finished this one off on their road trip. Six full points out of possible six. One three to two, like I said. Goals by Tage, of course. Skinner, of course. And then the surprise goal scorer, Lawrence Pilot, your boy, finally gets on the board. First time since 2019. Phil, they put out a tweet. I can't remember who it was that the last time he scored what the lineup looked like. Good God, this team has come a long way. UPL made 41 of 43 saves. Shots were 43 to 18 in favor of the Knights. Phil, this moves them two games above 500 at 16, 14, and two. Yeah, Pilot was uh, one of those first-time, long-time callers, you know. (laughs) First time in a long time uh, that I have scored a goal. And yeah, 2019, yikes. Obviously, we know that he... Did not play for the Sabres his entire time, so he was he was doing other things for other leagues. So it hasn't been just a scoreless drought for him for this long, but still, that's a that's a long time and a roster I would not want to look back on. But as far as this game goes, it I mean Eichel or not, Vegas is a very good team, one of the best in the league, very strong. It's going to be a tough game, especially going on the road to Vegas. I know it's a homecoming for Tuck and Krebs, but still. It's going to be a very tough game, and it was. And we see just based on all of the stats alone. Again, it was it was very similar to. Why am I blanking on who they just played? That was really good, and they won. Uh, Colorado, there it is. It was very similar to Colorado, as the fact that you know we kind of mentioned that for this team to win, they have enough offensive talent. Finally, that if your goalie stands on his head that this team can beat really good teams, but that's how you have to do it. You're going to score just enough goals to keep a very good team just out of reach of catching up to you, and your goalie has to play pretty much out of his mind in order for this team to win, especially right now with the defensive injuries they have, but that is exactly kind of how this game went. It was nerve-wracking. It was a Knights team that seemingly played way better than the Sabres, but the Sabres are the ones who come out on top. Yeah, I mean, this is the epitome in the game that shows that the Buffalo Sabres have come a long way just from even the beginning of the season. This is a game that they would have lost in October and November, but it shows that they are able to withstand it. I mean, six shots in the first period. (laughs) If that doesn't tell you what this team is made of, pretty much I would say without looking at the numbers and everything, because I don't have those specific numbers. I don't even know if they're out there. I'd say 75 to 80% of the time on this ice was either played in the neutral zone or in their own end. And when you're able to score three goals on really nice rushes, I mean, Skinner tipped the puck out to Tuck. Goes down the right-hand side. Tuck gets it over to Skinner, who rips it home. Fitzgerald steps up, keeps the puck in uh, in the Vegas zone. Tage, Phil, I don't know how he is able to do this, but somehow he is being more patient than he has ever been. This shot, he had the puck for a good three, four seconds on his stick, just baiting the goalie, waiting for him to move, and then he strikes. And then you got Pilot, a a depth 
defenseman coming into the year just rips one home for the first time in three years. So you're getting goals from the top heavy, but you're also getting goals trickling in from your bottom half of the lineup. And when the goals flow for this team, they're still, I think, the highest scoring team in the league in the NHL right now. I, I am when the goals are flowing, this team is really good. When you're playing ahead, I would like to see a game to see what they would look like if they go in a hole two nothing. 3 nothing. if they're able to battle back through it because we haven't really seen much of that. We always see them either, you know, tie going into the third or building up that lead. I, I remember the uh, the game against the Kings. It was 0-0 going into the third, and then they scored six straight goals. But I would like I, – I, part of me, I, I understand it, it kind of sounds weird. I would like to see them go into a third period down two just to see what their offense is made of and if they're able to counteract what the other team's going to throw at them defensively. Yeah, I mean – like you said, it's kind of weird asking for that because it's not something we actually want as far as the team goes and a winning philosophy. You want to be ahead and uh, stay ahead, get ahead, get ahead, stay ahead. There it is. But at the same time, I, I know what you're saying. Like it's It'd be interesting to see what this team is made of if they're down, what they can do. I mean, we've seen them a few times in past games where we've talked about it, where the older Sabres and Sabres of the last couple of years would have folded under, you know, a team that gets down by a few goals. This team seems to stay with it. And no matter what happens, they are battling till the end. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they get close to coming back. Don't always come back. But I, I do think it'd be interesting against one of these really good teams, what it looks like for the Sabres to try to come back. But UPL to me, story of this game. I mean, Tage is being Tage, Skinner being Skinner, and Pilot not quite being Pilot, but congratulations on his goal. But UPL, I mean, this is back to back quality starts for him, and it's something that we've been hoping for. I don't think he's there yet as far as a true 1A goalie. You can definitely tell that he still needs to get better. There's still some development there. He's still very young. But he is the main reason you won this game with 41 saves. I forgot how many saves he had in his previous win, but it was another just game where he definitely stole it for the team. I mean, there's plays where he looks really good, and I think he uses his size to his advantage extremely well. But I think he also gets a little bit too complacent with his size, where the fact that he just seems like he knows how big he is and he can just kind of sit in one spot and it's, you know, good luck getting to buy him. But his glove hand is interesting to me as a pretty top goalie prospect and someone who should be a potential 1A for this team. There are plenty of shots that just go off of his glove and it looks like he just, I don't know if it's because he is bigger. Maybe they are normally shots that would just go wide or miss completely and he's at least getting a glove on it but his glove hand seems a little shaky and there's at times where his rebound control isn't great but again he's very young he had an incredible game 41 saves and again he's a a huge reason that they were able to stay in it and win this game yeah last two games both on the road both against very good teams Colorado who again was missing uh, McKinnon and Vegas was making, missing Jack Eichel, but they're both Western Conference teams that play a different style than the Eastern Conference. In both games combined, he made 80 of 84 saves with a 952 save percentage and two goals against. It's just, he is on a streak those last two games of just, I don't want to call them outliers, but 
right he's now only had on one Lakers. other game that has been even close and that was way back in uh, end of november against st louis where he made 34 or 36 saves so i think he's coming on at the right time i am more wondering because Comrie's skating what do the sabers do if upl keeps up like this you, you're not going to send down anderson Comrie can only go down there for two weeks on a conditioning uh rehab stint and then you would have to leave him on the roster. Are you going to keep three goalies here? Or are you going to say, UPL, thanks for your time. Go down to Rochester, dominate down there, and we'll call you back up if we need more help because you you, you can't put Comrie down in Rochester. Otherwise, you got to put him on waivers. Somebody's going to claim that contract because it's a great number whether you want to use him as starter. It's definitely great numbers if you want to use him as a backup. Anderson, you're not going to do that. You're going to want to – Adams has always been – and continues to be the guy that says, hey, we want players who want to be here. You can't do that to a guy like Eric Comrie or Anderson that want to be here. So as good as UPL is playing right now, I just, unless he stands on his head and he continues to do this over and over and over and over, I, I think he is the one that's destined for Rochester just because of the, the spots and the contracts that are on the books right now for the Buffalo Sabres. I would completely agree. And I mean, kind of like I just mentioned, yes, he had two really good games and they are arguably he is the reason that they won both of those games. But at the same time, he does have things he needs to work on. I think you just keep chalking these experiences up to exactly that. Just learning experiences. Take what you did in the AHL and go back down to the AHL and fine tune some of the things that weren't working well. Some of those other games where he looked not so great and had some pretty rough games also in the NHL level. So go, you know, look at the tape of those games, figure out what went wrong in those games and work on it in the AHL. I think his development is still in progress. I don't think he's there yet. So I think he would get sent down and just continue to grow and learn to be a a little bit better goalie. But I think the, the big thing for him is just seeing that the potential is there that against two really good teams, Yes, they were both missing, like you said, two offensive players, but they still put up 40-plus shots in both games, and he was able to keep those teams under control. So I think the excitement is there, that the hope is there, that he can be a good goalie. I think he's just still in development. Uh, There's just a couple other things I want to hit on here. The first one, it looked like midway through the second, maybe earlier in the second period, maybe later. I I can't pinpoint exactly when it happened, but he pulled Cousins off the fun line and put him with uh, Middlestad and Olsen, and then he took Jost and put him with uh, uh, Paterka and Quinn. I think that was done just by this game, and it was by design because of how how dominated they were being against uh, the Knights in their own end. And I, I think it was Quinn and Paterka only played around nine minutes, and he wanted to keep using Cousins, but he, I don't think he fully trusted, maybe not even trust is the right word. He wanted to put other veteran players on the ice with Cousins, and the only way to do that is split that lineup. It looked like in practice the last couple of days that line was back together because you and I have been big sticklers with Granado, don't touch that line. But I think this was just a one-off in that mindset because of th- that line's been incredible. It, it's been a, an amazing second line. So I think it would be foolish to think and to move forward, breaking up that line. But Phil, the only, I I guess one other thing, I don't understand why the Buffalo Sabres can't send their broadcasting team on the road with this team. Dan Dunleavy and Rob Ray, I feel very bad for them because when I was watching this game, you know, when Ocposo had that tripping call and it went through a penalty shot, if you're there, 
you know what the call is going to be. They they learned with us that it was going to be a penalty shot because they were like, oh, it looks like he's pointing to the box. And then they he went to center ice and he goes, we got a penalty shot. And they went, well, look like he was pointing to the center ice. They don't know what's going on because they're watching the same broadcast as us. So it, it stinks. They did this the last year. They did that the COVID year as well. We're out of COVID. I, I just wish that he they would send them on the road all year long it's kind of embarrassing as a franchise and an nhl team that you're keeping your broadcasters back in buffalo so it it just looks unprofessional it's another reason why i i it's it's mind it's mind-boggling some of the decisions these teams make i mean if we're gonna be honest have you seen the arena that they play in (laughs) i know don't even have to get started about the green floor with some kind of basketball football type plays going over it like what how I don't really want to get in a huge rant but how has Pagula owned all of this for so long and just pumped nothing into that arena I'm very interested to see what happens once all the papers are fully signed for the new football stadium, what happens with KeyBank? Because they have to do something there. Yeah, I know it's, it's not great. It, it's not great at all. It's 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 what is it's it? Bad. It's coming up on thirty years. It's twenty six, twenty seven years old, and not much has been done. The concourses are too small. The seats are disgusting. the The floor paint is just weird. Doesn't Awful. make any sense. And it's like fading it's, all over. The, and why is it green? <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. It I. It's. I don't get it, Phil. It's just an. It's another thing that I, I understand. You're going to be forking out millions and millions of dollars to, you know, home your football team. But you have a hockey team. You have a lacrosse team. You have concerts that go on here. Why aren't you pumping anything into? Like just the paint the floor. Thing? That's all I'm asking. Yeah. At yeah. the very yeah. least, paint the floor something interesting. That's not green that is chipping away fading and again has some kind of basketball football scribbles all over it just looks it looks off a couple clorox wipes on the seats too uh, it'd be nice, it'd be nice. <laughs> at least for our seats where we sit for the but phil uh we pretty much talked this game into nice. a bl- <laughs> good lord <laughs> yeah we've talked this game in the arena into the dirt now i have some more player projections i think we did this last month at some point tage currently 26 24 and 50 he's on pace for a 67 62 128 season his best ever was last year at 38 30 and thir- uh, 68 he is six assists away from topping er, and tying his record for assists Darlene, you think defender, you know, he's playing, having a good season, 10, 27 for 37. He's on pace for 26, 69, 95, his best season ever, 13, 40 and 53. He, he could break this by, you know, the all-star break in February. Skinner, 16, 20 and 36 right now. Remember he missed three games. He's on pace for 41, 51, 92, his best season ever, 40, 32 and 63. So, so far three out of three, you're going to set your best in all three categories there. Tuck, another one, 15, 20, and 35 on pace, 38, 51 for 90, his best season ever, 20, 32, and 52. Another one, he's on pace to just shatter records. And then Cousins, who, you know, tap on the back, I called it, 11, 20, and 31, he's on pace for 28, 51, and 79 points, his best ever, 13, 25, and 38. He could break that by mid-January. Quinn, 6, 11, 17 on pace for 15, 28, and 44. Very respectable rookie season. Paterka, 7, 8, and 15. 18, 21, and 38. I know there's a lot of numbers out there, 
but it just shows the growth of those two lines and the top defensemen on this team in Darlene that if this trend continues, they're going to be shattering records. And the the idea that Kevin Adams and Don Granato had coming into the season where these, some of these players need to take the next step, that's exactly what all these guys are doing. So I'm going to fluff some of these numbers for fun and see if I feel like the first one's too obvious that I was going to mess around with. But we'll start with the first one, I guess. Would you rather see it's too obvious, but Tage have 70 goals. I don't know. I was going to say or 70 assists, I guess, but 70 goals sounds so exciting. So we'll go, we'll go to Darlene. So for you, would you rather see Darlene hit the 30 goal mark or the 70 assist mark? I would like to see the 70 assists because of what he did last year and coming into the season where I said 30 is not enough for a top line centerman where I wanted to see more assists come with it. So if he can get to that 70, heck, if he can get to 50 assists, I would be happy. If he got to 70, oh man, I would be very happy. And I mean, he's making less than $2 million this year, Phil. All right, we'll move on. Skinner's got not too much going on, but I guess we'll say Skinner for, we'll go 60 assists. We'll go way past his projection right now or beat his career best ever in goals at it'd be 41 which he is currently projected for he had a, such a magical season that year i would i, I want to see him get 41 just because it, you're he is not I think it'd be nice for him guy. to prove that he can do it again yes like everyone yes. kind of like that was one of his pretty early that was all jack eichel that's all yeah. we ever heard was tim with jack eichel jack eichel jack eichel i know we're gonna hear it's him with Pete thompson and alex talk but I I think if he repeats it, he shuts up a lot of doubters and kind of earns that. I, I guess he signed that $9 million. I don't think anybody thinks he's a $9 million player, but he's on your payroll. He does the goal scoring that wins you games. So while I, I don't blame him for signing it, heck, you come to me, say $9 million, go play hockey, I'm going to do it. But I think if he puts up 35, 40 goals, whew, okay, you're going to shut up a lot of people. Tuck. Do you want 40 goals or 50 assists? 50 assists. Because I think on that line, he is looking to feed the the Tage Thompson and the uh, the Jeff Skinner. Because I think if he hits the 50 assists, Jeff Skinner and Tage Thompson will hit those goal scoring numbers. Cousins, 30 goals or 50 assists? Can I say both? No, you cannot. <laughs> I, I want to see the goal scoring because it, as a second line centerman on this team, he was supposed to be that lockdown two-way centerman. If he can add in 30 goals, whew, you're talking about Patrice Bergeron type of player where he locks down the other team's top line and chips in goals. He has awards on you know, the ready if he does those kind of numbers. Quinn and Paterka, rookie seasons. We'll say for both of them, I know Paterka's assist projections a little off here, but we'll say for each of them, either... 20 goal seasons or 30 assist seasons? Give me the 20 because they're supposed why not? to both be scorers. Yeah, why not? If they can get to 20 in their rookie season, the future is so bright. All right. I was just having some fun there. <laughs> I like it because I kind of rambled through all those numbers. So you coming back to it definitely helps. But, Phil, one game to go over for the BSC update. I am up, and you might want to go earmuffs, but maybe like one year muff. I am up 1208.21 to 1073.22. You put up five. I put up 11. Are you making any changes yet? Even though 
there's not a game for quite a while next Tuesday. Um, We'll have an episode before then. So I guess I will hold for now and see if we get any more medical news about anybody who's injured. I mean, Labushkin's back out there, so maybe I'll I'll snag him again at some point. But I'll wait. I'll wait a little bit. Let it uh let it all simmer for a little bit, and we'll we'll see what happens next Tuesday. Yes, I am also gonna hold because uh pure domination. But like I said before, this section started. The Friday game that was supposed to take place tonight, home versus the Lightning, they got moved to March. A Philly game got moved to January. So the next game that they're going to be playing is Tuesday versus the Blue Jackets. And I think this is actually huge news because you give power eight full days off. No, nothing to get healthy. You give some of these other guys who have nicks and knacks eight full days of not playing any kind of competitive hockey over the winter break. And over the holidays, I am excited to see what this team looks like. Full strength, gung-ho, ready to go into the New Year's because uh, they're, they're playing some really good hockey. I, I would have liked to see them lightning Friday before you know the Bills play on Saturday. But if you push lightning to March, you get healthy. Fingers crossed you're healthy in March. But I'm, I'm more excited to get power back than you know anything. Going against the lightning without power, that would have been scary. And they're uh, above 500, so very they exciting. Are, yes. So, like we said, we won't really have any Sabres action to talk about on the next show, but we'll move on to the Buffalo Bills. Phil, the most strange, I guess that's not the perfect framing of words, but I stumble over English words all the time. The Pro Bowl for the NFL was announced, and this one always hurts my brain how and i guess i'll rant in a little bit but alan diggs morris and poyer all made the pro bowl dawkins knox milano and edmonds are first alternatives saffold and bass are second alternative medikevich ferguson and gilliam all you know special teamers third team alternatives rousseau and oliver fourth team alternatives and neil saran neil who is also a special teamers fifth alternative phil any names on there that stand out to you even though this game is a made-up fantasy land that makes no sense and just hurts my brain but if you're an agent always make sure that you put into your contract hey if they make a pro bowl they make x amount of dollars and bonuses because uh you just never know because like you said it's all kind of I don't know, like playing Candyland or Monopoly. It's all it's all so strange. I mean, I'm not saying any of the people on this list don't deserve it. I mean, Alan Diggs, Morse. I mean, Poyer's been very good, but he's also been injured. So that one's interesting, I guess, as far as straight to the Pro Bowl. I mean, I love Poyer, and I think he is one of the best in his positions, but he's been a little bit up and down with that injury. And, I mean, he came back with a, a humongous cast on his elbow that, as we mentioned in a previous episode, looked like it uh, needed some help. It uh, it did not look right. But, I mean, Milano not making the Pro Bowl when multiple people have him as arguably the best linebacker, possibly defender of the year, and he's not making the Pro Bowl, again, just kind of goes back to this game being just uh, nothing very weird, but at the same time, like you said, why not have that in your contract just in case? And T-Bass, I mean, come on. Why why is he not a top kicker into the pro? A second alternative for, for Tyler Bass, I don't, I don't like that either. I think T-Bass should be a little bit higher. Rousseau also having an incredible year. Not really sure how he stacks up against the rest of the competition around the league, but fourth alternative seems a little low for the season I think he's having. Yeah, Milano's the one that stands out to me. I don't understand how 
he doesn't make a Pro Bowl. He's going to be an all-pro linebacker at season's end, and he doesn't make the Pro Bowl. It's just, I don't understand the hate coming from Matt Milano. Anybody that watches any type of football, he just comes out on the screen every single time. And this isn't just because of my love for Matt Milano. It's because he's such a great player. It doesn't make any sense. This is why I hate the Pro Bowl. This is why they have to play flag football for the Pro Bowl because it's such a joke. I mean, Allen said himself that he hoped he doesn't have to attend because that means he's going to the Super Bowl. I would doubt even if they're not in the Super Bowl for some reason that he goes to this. Nobody goes to it. I mean, if if I were to guess, I would guess everybody that's an alternative is eventually going to be moving up into this possible slot. I mean, Tyrod Taylor made the Pro Bowl in what was it, 2016, 2017 or something like or 20 yeah, 2016 or 2017, something like that, by throwing less than 10 20 touchdowns because so many people ahead of him said, "No, I'm good. I don't want to go." It's just I I could be the best agent in the world by just saying, hey, build into his contract if he makes a Pro Bowl, that's an extra million dollars. I mean, I think it was Poyer made an extra $500,000 from just making the Pro Bowl, which is, yes, it's an honor. You want to be known, and when you're going to Hall of of Fame resumes and stuff like that, you want to say, hey, I made 12 Pro Bowls, the 11 Pro Bowls, whatever it is, but... It's I, I'd rather be the all pro than a pro bowler. It's that's because you're voted on by your peers and the people that actually it's not a fan vote. Tua was the leader of the fan voting and he didn't make it. That speaks volumes about what type of pro bowl. I, it's I, I hate it, Phil. I hate it. Tell me how you really feel about the pro bowl. PK. I hate it. <laughs> That's how I truly feel. <laughs> but we'll move past the Pro Bowl here. Saturday, 1 p.m., that's tomorrow, Christmas Eve, even though we're talking pre-pre-Christmas on this episode. They face the Bears, 11-3 Bills. Like I said, travel to the 3-11 Chicago Bears. Windy City, my God, it's definitely going to be windy. The weather is going to play a huge factor in this, along with no Mitch Morris and no Boogie Basham already. I believe... Oh, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong. Jordan Phillips and Ed Oliver are also questionable in this one, so everybody will probably know before us. But to go over the defense for them so we can talk about what our offense has to do first. Morrow, 95 leading tackler, and the leading sack guy for this team is Brisker from the safety position. They moved out Robert Quinn. They moved out Leonard Floyd, I think. No, it's not Leonard Floyd. It's the linebacker who I can't remember, but he did just trade it out earlier in the year. Can't remember his name. I'll look it up while you talk. But what does this offense have to do against this weaker defense that is allowing 25.6 points per game? They're allowing uh, 211.5 through the air, which might not seem like a lot, but that's because teams can just run against this team. They allow 143.9 yards per game on the ground. So, Phil, what does the Bills' offense need to do against the Chicago Bears' defense to come out on top of this one? This one's going to be very strange because I think the weather is going to play a humongous factor in this one. I don't think the Bills have the best run game. Obviously, they have Josh Allen, but at the same time, if the weather's really bad, you don't really want to be running him around, risking too much. But I think the offense as a whole, I mean, we saw the Eagles only put up 10 points in the first half and kind of barely squeak out a 25-20 victory over Chicago just last week. And a lot of people have the Eagles as the number one team in the entire NFL. So, yes, the Bears are 3-11, and but at the same time, in weather conditions like this, it pretty much becomes a scrappy, kind of even 
floored game. I mean, Hertz ended up throwing for 315 yards last week, but at the same time, he also had two interceptions. So something that he does not often do. I think their passing game is going to have to be a little careful. I'm not saying the Bears have the best passing defense, but again, with the weather and just the way that they have the potential to play, I think the passing game is going to have to be careful. At the same time, I could see it. Again, something I kind of consistently ask for on a weekly basis is a lot of those short passes, really quick, high-tempo offense, really short, get the running backs involved in the passing game, get Knox toward the line of scrimmage, get McKenzie, get all, you know, Beasley could be a big Beasley game with, you know, if the ability to throw downfield is a little bit tougher. So I think it's going to be just a, a high-tempo, run-focused kind of game, and I think Josh Allen has proven that he can throw through anything, but at the same time, how much are you just willing to risk? And they just really need to go out there kind of amped up and ready to take this one. Yeah, it was Roquan Smith, the linebacker that I couldn't remember, and he got traded to the the Ravens. But I think you hit the nail on the head there. The The weather is going to impact this game greatly. I think they said 15 to 20 miles an hour wins constantly. Josh Justin Fields has nobody to throw to. But I think for the Bills offense, which we're talking about here, I think this is going to be a big Josh Allen running game. I think you're going to see James Cook come out of the backfield a lot. You're going to see Devin Singletary come out of the backfield. I wouldn't be surprised if this was an Ehi Hines game as well, just because of you know what this what this weather is going to do to the players out there. Josh Allen has a rocket of an arm. If anybody can throw through this wind, it's going to be him. But you're not going to see any bombs down the field. You're going to see a lot of dink and duck down the field, like we said. You're going to see semi like the 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 Rams game in week one, where, yes, there were some deep shots, so if you take those out, it's going to be a lot of short intermediate passing if there is any. But like I said with the stats, you can run on the Chicago Bears. So I can see this being a very run heavy game. I can see this being a lot of design Josh Allen runs. I can see this being a lot of James Cook out of the backfield, halfback screens kind of play, and maybe a Dawson Knox Cole Beasley game as well. So if I were playing fantasy, which I am versus you in our semifinals in our home league that we care about, even though we don't have players in this matchup, the only players I would play are Justin Fields and Josh Allen. That's the only two I would start in this one because everybody else is risky pick. If you want to talk about the Chicago offense, it's run by Justin Fields and Justin Fields pretty much alone. He has scored, he's thrown for just over 2,000 yards, 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 62% passing completions, but he's run 143 times for 1,000 yards and 8 touchdowns, Phil. That's 7 yards on the ground average. If you want to add into that, David Montgomery, 694 yards with five touchdowns, 4.0 a carry. And Khalil Herbert is back, who was running for six yards a carry. So this team is going to try to run it down your throat for a Buffalo Bills team who, yes, they shut down Nick Chubb. Yes, they've been better of late. I am a bit worried about what this team can do, especially with Justin Fields, because you have not seen a quarterback like this all year long. There is not another Justin Fields on this planet. And besides Cole Komet, you don't have another person to throw to. So it's going to be a running game, running game, and more running. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills try to run out some kind of Matt Milano sit on fields the entire game type 
game plan. He can absolutely keep up with fields. He is that kind of sideline to sideline linebacker. And like you just mentioned, they have no wide receiver threats pretty much at all. They have Komet, and that is the end of their receiving threats, and he's a tight end. So to me, it's all about, like you just mentioned, shutting down the running game, shutting down Justin Fields. And at this point, with what we've seen Fields able to do with his legs, I don't see how you don't game plan to have a spy on him at all times and just trust the rest of your defense. I mean, your CBs should have no problem in this game. And you got Tremaine Edmonds to help also shut down the run if they do Montgomery or Herbert or, you know, any kind of passes out of the back. But if you don't have someone just spying fields the entire game, I'm I'm just not sure what you're doing. He is their single offensive weapon and he's extremely good at what he does and he's proven at the end of this year here that he is very good and very talented but he only pretty much runs he doesn't really throw it this game's going to be gross to throw in again and he doesn't really have the weapons so I would just stay on fields the entire game if you take him out they really don't have much of a counter punch in any other way to get this offense going if you can take Justin Fields legs out of the game I think that's pretty much a lockdown win against the Bears yeah and for anybody that's ever listened to this show and this segment with the Buffalo Bills I reference this game a lot the Jacksonville Jaguars game last year if the Buffalo Bills lose to the Chicago Bears that's as bad as losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars last year because they are missing their top three wide receivers they don't have anybody to throw to their running game with their backfield is, you know, Khalil Herbert is the better runner, but they keep giving it to David Montgomery for some reason because he's going to be out of town later. They, it, like you said, it's just Justin Fields. If you get beat by one player, this is like the Blake Bortles, Jacksonville Jaguars, that beat you in the playoffs in 2017 where he was just running all over the place. That's the only way that the Buffalo Bills are going to be able to lose this game is if Justin Fields burns them. And I'm not counting that out. I've seen him do some magical stuff. He is a talented, talented player. If if he has carried a bunch of teams in fantasy to the playoffs because of how talented he is with his legs, if they ever get him any talent in the wide receiver room, I think he's got an arm for it too. They don't have that right now, but like, like you said, it's going to be a big Matt Milano game who's going to be spying Justin Fields all the time. If you're not stacking the box trying to watch Justin Fields all day long, there's something wrong with this defense. But I can't, please, please don't make me eat my words here. I can't see the Buffalo Bills losing this game. I can't see it being within even 10 points of this. And this is coming from a guy who, if you just listen to our reel that we put out yesterday, tries not to be a homer. I'm not trying to be a homer here. I have on my podcasting goggles here. The Buffalo Bills are just a far superior team than the Chicago Bears. It shouldn't be a close game, Phil. It it just shouldn't. Yeah, the only issue for me, again, even with it, I don't think it'll be close, but the weather just has a way of evening, you know, really good teams for really bad teams, and they just kind of even out if the weather is that bad and kind of eliminates the superior team's ability to show off all of their talent and be the better team in a, we'll say, just neutral weather situation. I think a bad weather game kind of helps lower the talented team down to the level of the poor team. But at the same time, I think the Bills still just have too much talent on offense and defense to 
not be able to find a way to fight through the weather. We've already talked about how Josh Allen loves playing in bad weather. I mean, I know this is a little bit different, but he was on the Kyle Brandt's basement again, and he was talking about how he doesn't want a dome. He loves the snow, loves being a football player, loves playing out in the cold and the snow and the kind of nasty weather. So hopefully uh, he can do it again, and this is his chance right away. Liar. Such a liar. He's playing that up for the fan base. I don't think he likes playing in those cold weather games. I don't think he likes playing in the snow games. I don't think he likes playing in the rain games. I think he wants a dome, but because he's not getting one and because the fan base would call him, you know, many names for not wanting a dome, he has to play into that fact. I think he's a liar and I see through you, Josh. You want to come at me? You're a liar. He's going to come at you with his lawyer. Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. He's a, he's a big guy and yeah, he's terrifying. But I have you on my BSC team, and that's a nice transition, Phil. Are you making any changes to your BSC team? You have Diggs, Davis, Knox, Poyer, Tremaine Edmonds. I have Josh Allen. Thanks, buddy. James Cook, Devin Singletary, Tremaine Edmonds, and Matt Milano. I think with what I have, it's, it's as good as I'm going to be able to get. That's good because I'm also not going to touch it because I have all of the three guys that are going to be running up and down the field in this game. That's another reason why I've been holding on to both running backs this whole time. Well, when he uh, does all the play action and hits Gabe Davis for 400 yards and four TDs, you'll you'll see. I'll remember this conversation. <laughs> but Phil, like we said, I know there's plenty of holidays out there, but you and I celebrate Christmas. So why not talk about what our plans are for Christmas and what is the most memorable gift you've ever been given throughout your entire life? Like growing up, it could be something that you just got last Christmas, or it could be something that you remember getting as a kid. But what's the plans for Christmas? And what's the most memorable gift you've ever been given? I am going to my brother's Christmas morning. It's usually we'll we'll gather all the family. We'll have a big breakfast. We'll open family gifts, and the, the niece and nephew will tell us all about Santa Claus and all the gifts that he was able to bring them, and that's always a fun time to listen to them talk about all the gifts they got and all the cool things, and then they'll open some from, from us and get some more things. I remember last year, I forgot which one i don't know if it was my niece or my nephew that i gave them something and i thought it was pretty cool and they opened it and they were just so unamused and just had like a (laughs) a dead face and i I felt like awful for a brief moment i was like oh you absolutely hate the gift i got you well that's great that's that's good to see (laughs) uh but as far as me um i don't know if i really have like a best ever i feel like i'd have to really go through everything and and figure out what I've received because I've I've gotten some good stuff over the years but as far as most memorable I guess I have two and they are both Game Boy related and oh man the the first one was uh, a Game Boy color I got the one year that I asked for from Santa and what color? my brother's what color? the uh it was the Game Boy color it was that clear purple yep that's what I got yep good call Good game. And uh, my brothers had been asking for a Game Boy for like years. And they were like, why are you even asking for it? You're not going to get it. And then I opened it and they were a little upset at at the time. They weren't the happiest that uh, I was able to get it. I think it was the first time I had asked for something like that. And I I remember getting it and I I was obviously excited. And they were not the happiest. And then 
The other time, uh, Santa Claus, I, I opened my gifts out of order. The second kind of Game Boy upgrade I got was for the oh, yeah. Game Boy SD at the time that had the backlight, which was beyond amazing because the Game Boy Color, you had that little worm light or you had the little magnifying glass with the light. There was no lights on the thing. Your screen didn't have lights. So playing in the car, super hard to see. And uh, I mean, the lights helped, but it, it wasn't enough. But the SD, I believe, was the first backlit one. And it was that little square. I think I still have mine. And uh, it was it was amazing. But I opened up a SD game before I got the system. And I was like, oh, the system was coming. I didn't. I, I at the time oh. I was like, oh, Santa just he got me the wrong game. That's a bummer. <laughs> I can't even play this. And then my uh, <laughs> my parents were like, oh, that's that's a bummer. Santa must have screwed that up. And then later I did open the system. And I was like, oh, look at that. It all makes sense. It all adds up. And uh, I've had that happen before. Yet, where you yeah, still the, remember the gifts get out of order by accident and. For me, I've always like, oh, well, I guess I'm getting this. And then (laughs) there's been times where it's been changed on me. Like if my parents give me something like, oh, sweet, this is coming. And then it doesn't come. And then my mom's side of the family comes over later. And then it does come. Right. It's like, oh, you played some shenanigan games on me there. You got me worried. But what about for you? Uh, Let's see. Saturday. So Christmas Eve, the real Christmas Eve going over to my dad's side, so we're going to my aunt's at night, so we'll be watching more football at that game, uh, at that house. Then Sunday, we are going to Brooks' family in the morning for brunch, coming home for a bit, taking care of all four dogs. Yes, yes, we still have all four. If you want to adopt these puppies, please contact me because we're trying to get rid of them and get them to nice homes. And then we're going over to my parents' house in the afternoon slash night to wrap up Christmas and do the presents there. Because my whole mom's side of the family is down in Florida enjoying the nice weather where we are dealing with frozen roads. But most memorable gift, the one that came to my head when I first came up with this question was, I think it was third or fourth grade. I loved hockey, still love hockey, suck at hockey. But when you're playing with your neighborhood friends and you're the goalie, it definitely helps when you have street hockey pads. So that was the year my parents finally broke down and got me the the cheap box set of foam knee or uh, pads for your feet. And then the following year, I got the glove and the blocker. And I think that was the year I got my goalie helmet as well. But my skills in net rose dramatically when I got those pads because you take up a lot more space with the pads than you do just, you know, shins. So I played a ton of street hockey goalie with friends and I had the pads that were falling apart and I wanted new ones, but they, I couldn't find them. So I had the ones that had the plastic and the ones I had even had the foot cover. Oh, and they were, they were incredible. And then whenever I went to go look for new ones, it was the hard plastic, which was nice, but then it kind of cut out where the foot cover is. So your foot was completely exposed and, I made a lot of a lot of foot kick foot saves, saves, and yep. if you do that with just your shoes, it's a lot of pain. But the cool plastic ones I had, I loved them a, a lot. The only problem I had, and I'm, I'm sure you had similar issues, is when you go to make a kind of sliding save and you 
think you're a goalie on ice and you're not and your pad kind of twists on you and you end up just going pretty much whatever you're wearing whether it's shorts or pants or whatever just that to the pavement because your knee pad has slid to a different direction and is no longer (laughs) protecting your leg as you kind of push over and you're like oh well that hurt a lot and that's going to be a bad brush burn but other than that love street hockey and i loved the pads yeah, uh, just a quick back. When I got my goalie helmet, I was looking at it, and I was sitting right next to my dad. I still remember we were leaning against the back couch on the ground, and we're trying to get it out. My mom's videotaping it because it was a Sabres. I still have it down in my basement. I think it's in one of the pictures. Is that the one that we both that have? We... Yes. Yeah, it's it's in one of the pictures that we have on our website at buffalosportscollective.com. Nice little plug there. But my dad was trying to shortcut it and just, like, rip it out of the box, and... Phil, when I tell you that the helmet does work, it does work, except when it's hitting you in the face, because he ripped it out, and it swung, and it hit me square in the face, and there's video of it hitting me in the face, and then the video cuts, because my mom stopped it to go get me ice, but he rips it out of the box, and just swings it back, trying to get it out, because he didn't think he was actually going to be able to rip it out, just smashes me in the face with it, so yeah, kids, wear your helmets, because they work, they don't work when you're getting when you're getting smashed in the face with them, though. That is a Christmas movie type shenanigans yep. right there. Yep. Love it though. Love it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I like that memorable. it didn't hit your dad in the face. Like he didn't hit himself trying to pull it out. He nope. just hit you instead. Yeah, if I was sitting on the other side, it would have been good. But I was sitting on the side where he was ripping out towards it. But you were yeah, so, so excited. Um, you were like, "Oh, I want to see what this is going to be all about. Get it out!" And uh, you got you leaned a little too close. Yeah, yeah, I think that was one of my black eyes, I think, if I remember correctly. But, uh, Phil, that pretty much wraps up this episode for the 23rd, two days before Christmas, the pre-pre-Christmas episode. Phil, anything else to add before this one, before you venture off and do a ton of layers of salt on the ground and then get ready for our holiday weekend? Yeah, happy uh, Christmas Eve, Eve, and and holiday weekend, and everybody, no matter what you're celebrating, what you're doing, be extremely safe. Uh, it's, it seems like it's going to be nasty. I know we've had plenty of weather reports before where they say it's going to be a big storm. We get barely a dusting or an inch, and we're like, what the heck? That was absolutely nothing. This one sounds like with the kind of warm weather to cold weather in one night it's gonna be just gross and nasty and very dangerous so everybody out there just be very safe be very cautious no matter where you're going what you're doing be safe good comments phil uh not only happy whatever you celebrate out there doesn't matter what you celebrate like you phil said be safe have a fun time remember to give more than you receive i guess if that's what you want to call i like receiving phil that's just me i'm I'm a selfish boy but phil also good luck this weekend because you and i are going head to head with the winner moving on to our finals in our home league uh i know you're missing jalen hurts but i hope it hurts because i've been missing Brees hall all year long and we still get to the same spot i'm still expecting to lose to you but i'm happy that no matter what happens, one of us is at least going to the finals. And I think as both podcast hosts of this, that it's just everything's right with the world when at least one of us is representing that league in the finals. Yeah, same with the BSC. Yeah, I'm gone. Ball. Yeah, but you made playoffs, though. I made playoffs, but I got bounced very quickly. <sighs> we had a, a rough 
rough inaugural year for for us for the BSC listener draft. We uh we weren't very good. My my team was no. just awful. I was very I feel like I've mentioned it before. I was very just uninspired by my roster the entire season. I kept looking at him like, I don't know what this team is. They're not very good. I had some big injuries with Javante Williams and Brees Hall, same as you. And uh, things were looking okay when Hall was doing great, and then he got injured, and Kyler Murray was my QB. He got injured, and everything just it, it went downhill very quickly. I didn't even make playoffs. It was a very fun league, though, and everything was literally as close as of a fantasy football season as I have ever seen in my life as every single team was in the playoff hunt into the final week of the season. And it was nuts. It was nuts. It was a lot of fun. Final game of that week as well. I think I was banking. I needed to win and have two teams lose. And I know it came down to that Monday night game, but yeah, very fun league. Like you said, the closest league I've ever been a part of, but I, I guess we can wrap it up on that note before we drag on any longer because I know there's people doing Christmas shopping and they're getting home and pulling in their driveway and going, okay, guys, shut up talking because I got to go inside and wrap some gifts because I'm in a room right now and I got to wrap gifts. So like we said, no matter what you're celebrating, be happy, be safe, drive safely out there, be, uh, be around your loved ones, make sure you get to the destination safely. Don't rush on the road, leave some extra time. I know I'm sounding like a parent and I'm not and I never will be, but... You know, heed the warning. Phil, good luck this weekend, buddy. Uh, No matter what happens, I'm happy it's you and I, one of us going to the finals. So thank you all for listening to another episode of the Buffalo Sports Collective. Follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Visit our website at buffalosportscollective.com. Subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Until next time, bye-bye.